coming up next on The Health Hustle. I was telling her about how I was really grappling with uncertainty and she just spit this like really insightful thing right back to me that she had learned, which is that your level of kind of fulfillment in life is directly correlated to the amount of uncertainty that you're able to tolerate. Hmm. So when there's uncertainty, it makes you learn more. It makes you lean in more. It lights a fire under your butt. It makes you move. And it is a necessity. It's something that you need in life in order to grow. And I hate it. <laughs> like, I don't like it. Uh. There are things about uncertainty that I do like, right? Obviously, I wouldn't open up my practice if I really didn't want any uncertainty. I wouldn't go camping if I didn't want uncertainty. I wouldn't travel if I didn't want uncertainty. But there are certain things in life that I wish I had a little bit more certainty around. And now that I have that understanding of it, I respect it so much more and I coexist and I embrace it more. I don't even coexist. I like embrace it. So yeah, like full disclosure, I mean relationships, like romantic relationships. I wish I had a little bit more certainty around what that's going to look like for me, Mm. but it's not for me to know. Mm. And that's kind of, that's kind of special. What's up, y'all? Corey here. On this episode, I had a chance to sit down with my friend Alyssa Okrent of AOK Physical Therapy, which was a super fun interview for me because she's actually a longtime listener of the show. So it was fun to bring her on. You'll see early on in this episode that we aren't really technically recording and we kind of have a little playful moment there early on. Uh, Some of the other things that we get into are what it means to be a social introvert, playing in the sandbox, so to speak, family lessons and how she has entrepreneurship in her family, her first ever physical therapy client on her own and how she was able to get him to be able to run the Leadville 100 Ultra Marathon, which is an incredible feat, rock climbing and the overlap between entrepreneurship, the power in staying consistent, the greatest challenges of being a business owner, the future of AOK, building belief and trust, which is something I strongly believe in, traveling and camping alone and the value in that, your relationship with uncertainty, a rapid fire question around, be where you're at, and so much more. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, one of the most common reasons that I see this is not having a well-defined niche. If you go to the link in the description, I have a free three-step process that walks you through exactly how to get clarity on which niche is best suited for you and your business. Without further ado, let's go. Coconut water, perfect. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I need. Precisely. I remember when I pissed blood. There was a girl who was talking to me about electrolytes and she's like, yeah, you just need to buy more coconut water, which I th- she's, I think she was right. I didn't do it, but hmm. yeah, coconut water supposedly is like one of the greatest. Yeah. Did you have rhabdomyolysis? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? There's a lot of running in the heat. Mm. Wasn't getting enough electrolytes. I'm wasn't really hydrating myself enough. And then, uh, yeah, it was a scary experience, mm-hmm. honestly. Like yes. it freaked me the fuck out mm-hmm. have you listened to very many episodes like almost all of them <laughs> <laughs> like the story of how i how i got into listening to you i mean it's a, a pretty big part of like um the path 
the voyage of getting here, really. Do you want to start there? Sure. Cool. Yeah. Ready? Ready. Alyssa, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? You are a longtime listener, I true am. fan of the show, officially now on the show, which is an honor and a blessing to me and everybody listening. Oh, thank you, Corey. Can we talk about how you even found out about the show and why you decided to listen to it? Yeah, so I don't know how I found the show, mm. but I did. Um, when I found the show, I was in Colorado doing a travel assignment while saving and preparing to return back to Austin and start the practice. So I think I'm a podcast connoisseur and I think I was looking for podcasts related to entrepreneurship, related to healthcare professionals, physical therapists, landed on your show and then started listening to the stories that people had to share about their journeys. And it was just inspiring. On my way to work, I had a crazy commute in Denver and um, I would just listen to podcasts on the way there, maybe music on the way back. But um, yeah, I heard a lot of a lot of the stories here and it was a yeah, super helpful during that time. Yeah, I know you were dealing with burnout in a lot of ways, which I know is a big part of your story. Definitely something that I can relate with in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of practitioners just in general can relate with is that getting caught in essentially like that patient mill. Was mm -hmm. that sort of the, would you say, the catalyst of like wanting to learn and discover new things and finding a way out of that? Yeah, I think so. When I found you, I was already like past that point. I had already like said bye to my previous job. Um, but yeah, I was... Uh, burnout was a part of why I moved and transitioned and pivoted. I, I'm a very social introvert. I'm, I'm social. I love to socialize. I like having fun, but, um, I was, you know, doing the traditional physical therapy practice model, seeing 15 patients a day while managing an incredible team of really cool personalities. Um, and, by the end of the day, trying to hold space for that many people, I would drive home in silence and I'd basically like stare at a wall. And I had so little energy during the work week and my friends would be doing stuff, going out, and I would just wonder, how do you guys have energy to go out on a weeknight? That's wild. Um, so it was during that time I was kind of assessing you know, five days out of the week, I'm depleted. This isn't, that's not a great ratio. And I, uh, shortly after kind of went to yoga with my friend Kwesi and he was like, I'm living my best life. I just started my own practice and it's the best thing in the world. Is that your Kwesi voice? This is Kwesi. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Kwesi's like, you know, this is, it's just, it's awesome, Melissa. Like, I love it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's really weird. So go back to work. And, um, and then another thing happened. Um, my, my former boss, um, she moved, she moved to England and she was like the best boss I ever had. And she left and a new boss came in and this new boss was very challenging to work under and um you know there's a saying that people don't really quit their jobs they quit their boss and that was kind of true for me unfortunately um 
you know, I was trying to think of ways that I could conserve energy and pitching these cool ideas to her about how to become more engaged on the marketing side to help the company. And she said, you know, I love your energy. I, I just think that you need to realize that you can play as much as you want as long as you play inside of this sandbox. Mm. Like this sandbox, as long as you're playing with inside of, you know, the sandbox, you can get creative as you'd like to. And one of those things about the sandbox was the the patient volume. So that wasn't going to budge, right? I had to continue producing. I had to continue, um, you know, grinding patients through a day, all day. Um, and it turns out that I just as it turns out, I'm not really meant to play in a sandbox. I'm, I'm more meant to like play on a beach. Like I just need freedom. I, um, it really kind of pushed me out of the sandbox and onto the beach with Quasi. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, um, shortly after I, I gave my notice and I said, I'm, I'm going to go take a travel assignment. So I, um, yeah, I took a travel assignment in Phoenix and then went to Denver I saved up a nice little nest egg in case I came back and everything just went to pieces and flopped. And yeah, that's how it all started. And that's when I found Corey. Yeah, that's when I found your podcast was in Denver. And I'm forever grateful for it. And that's so Me awesome. Me too. Me yeah. too. Well, it's just cool to hear that about that aspect of a box. I was telling that girl I was telling you about before we started recording. It's like, if there's anything I hate more, it's a box. Mm-hmm. He's like the second somebody tries to stick me into a box, I'm going to fight tooth and nail. Yeah. Like you tell me to do something nine times out of 10, I'm probably going to do the opposite for whatever reason. Yeah. I, I think there's just like a proclivity of people that people who decide to do what we do mm-hmm. have just that mentality of yes. if you want me to fit your mold, it is unlikely I'm going to do well here. Yeah. And do you know about the Enneagram? Yes. Do you know what number you are? No. You might be an eight. It's called the challenger. It's like people don't like, eights don't like boxes. <laughs> and a lot of entrepreneurs are, are you know, we don't like boxes. Um, yeah. Are you an eight? <laughs> uh, I've, so I tested, I tested twice. The first time I tested as a five, mm. which is like the analytic intellect, like, Oh, sure. We just sit back and analyze the hell of things. Um, so you're a thinker. I'm a thinker, mm. yes. And then I tested again as an eight, so I don't know. I can only remember my Myers-Briggs, which I'm an INTJ. Mm-hmm. Introverted. It's the same thing. It's like the thinker, yes. introverted. I enjoy my alone time. That was yeah. honestly like the biggest dilemma for me just in general of the healthcare model is exactly mm-hmm. like you. I can relate in so many ways of... You just have nothing left, right? Totally. Yeah. But by the end of the day, it was it was unfortunate because, like, yeah, I would I didn't have anything left for any of the other people in my life that I loved, that I wanted to spend time with. I right. just had nothing to give anymore. Yeah. So. And I could do this like all day. Like, if we have one on one, you bring a little closer. Yes. If we had like one on one time, this is to me not depleting. No. So. Yeah, so that's why the the whole one-on-one model, and I I didn't even know physical therapists were doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no idea. I didn't think it, I was like, Quasi, you're out of your mind. 
Can we get in a little bit more about your upbringing? So you're obviously introverted. Uh, you clearly like one-on-one time. Have you always been that way? Are you an only child? I have an older brother. His name's Jason. And um, he's very gregarious. He has like the funnest personality. He loves dancing. Um, he loves dancing? He loves dancing. Like two-step? Like what's his thing? Oh yeah, he can two-step so well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's just me and him. Um, my my dad is an entrepreneur, and my mom is one of the hardest working people I know. She has such a good work ethic, and she's been a pharmaceutical sales rep for eighteen ish years. Yeah. Wow. What does yeah. your dad do? My dad interviews people like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he creates people's. I say that he creates like any biography productions of people's life stories. So if, you know, you have an aunt or a grandparent and you want to conserve their life story and you want that captured on video with them talking with um, music and videos of their upbringing and it's really special so he has a he has a business called life stories alive um which he started mm, and i'm gonna get it wrong but maybe eight years ago probably longer ago and he was in the flooring business prior to that so Hmm. yeah did you learn lessons from him that you carry over now today from even just like a business or entrepreneurship standpoint yeah most definitely i mean he's we're very similar in a lot of, in a lot of ways. My mom and I are also very similar in very different ways. Um, with my dad, you know, there are a lot of people who know my last name and say, are you related to Mike in the Austin community? Um, when people meet my dad, I think that he just slows down and he really connects. Um, so I think I got that from him. My mom though is the same way. My mom goes to HEB once a week and knows the name of almost everybody she sees regularly there, the people working there. Um, you know, when we would go to the corner store growing up, she knew Jerry, she knew all about his family. You know, we would bring Jerry things all the time. So um, I feel really lucky that those two things I got to kind of absorb from my parents growing up, you know? Do you find that community has always been a big aspect of your life? That's an interesting question. Um, I feel like I have always had my hands in various pots. I was never really tight knit with only one group of people. But I hung out with like some of the jocks and some of the nerds and uh, some of the like hippies. And so um, I've always been around community. I mean, I was raised in like a Jewish community, um, but I never like, I guess, identified strongly with one community. And now I feel like I'm so lucky. I'm inside of this really cool community. I'm, my office is inside of Crux Climbing Center. And that is an outstanding community. And now I'm starting to see the value that community has, right? I think that it just took me finding the community that I really felt 
I connected with to see that value. Yeah, I'm glad you answered that question that way. I can I see a lot of that and I and I can relate in a lot of ways as well of yeah, even growing up in Minnesota with my like myself is yeah, I never really felt all that super connected to any one particular group of people. Um not that I didn't like have my friend groups, but yeah, it wasn't until I feel like I came here to Austin that it was just so much easier to be like, oh yeah, like these are my people. It's very easy. No and not only on top of that too, it's like even in this current stage of my life of literally my lease ended this last weekend. And so I've been basically just like couch surfing until I wow. basically leave for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's convenient where you're going then Yeah, for the month. Yeah. And so which without my community or my people here in Austin, like yeah. that'd be a lot more difficult. I mean, I could always get like an Airbnb or something, but still. it's How cool. So yeah, that's cool. What a fun transition. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you feel like Crux has become more of your place of community of people that you want to lean into. Was that where you first started the business? Was it at Crux? That was where I landed. Okay. Yeah, that was where I first started. And do you remember how you got your first client? Yeah. So my first client, um, my first client's name is Jeff. And Jeff was a patient of mine at my old place of business. So... Um, I was like, Jeff, I'm I'm leaving this company, by the way, and I'll come back to Austin. I don't know when, but I'll let you know once I'm back. And so as soon as I let him know I was back, he was like, hey, um, great, I'm broken again. So he came to see me at AOK. Um, but Jeff is an awesome dude. Jeff came to me at my old practice um, non-weight bearing. He had been non-weight bearing for three months on crutches and he had a terrible skiing accident that just like shattered his tibia. And he was like, Hey, you know, I really want to run the Leadville 100. Oh shit. We were just talking about this with my last guest. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had a lot of work to do, right. To get him to an ultra. Um, and not only an ultra, but the ultra, and literally the biggest probably most challenging ultra there is i think so there might be one other one in the world in a different country but this is bar none people people know leadville i mean if you if you know running you're kind of no leadville and so luckily i was able to walk him across the finish line in leadville like we became really tight through this whole process of rehab he did it he did it. Damn. Oh, yeah. He finished. That's incredible. He's incredible. And he's just an incredible human. Um, you know, you get to know your patients really well. And luckily, you know, we had enough time together to really get to know one another. And now, you know, we're we're buddies. I mean, we went to ACL. We're, we're going to the National together. Like... We love music. We love live music. Um, we love goofing around. And yeah, so he was my first patient. So when yeah. are you doing the Leadville is my question. Never. <laughs> Never. No? No. Wait. What's the... It's not my cup of tea. No. You could take either angle of this. What's the most challenging or the most fun athletic endeavor you've ever done? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be rock climbing. Yeah. What rock, you're doing now since yeah. getting started at Crux? Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm in the thick of getting r- more and more into rock climbing. 
And not only because I specialize in treating climbers, but because it's a fascinating sport. It is so challenging physically, but also incredibly challenging mentally. And it also really bridges this gap of community and partnership and trust and intimacy between people. So when we go climbing together, um, I mean, when we're bouldering, there's a level of trust there. But especially if you're, you know, sport climbing, lead climbing, if you're if you're leaning on someone else to hold that rope for you and to um, set up with you and to check in with each other and to encourage you up the wall, I mean, it's a really beautiful sport. So it's really challenging to me, too, because, you know, I have imposter syndrome there. I am the physical therapist. I, you know, am specialized in treating these people. I know the injuries up and down, left and right, right? I know how to educate people about the pathology, the reason why things are happening in their body. At the same time, you know, I'm an intermediate at best climber, but it doesn't stop me from enjoying the hell out of it Hmm. and loving it. Yeah. Yeah, there's beauty in the challenge, right? Is like... I've posted about this a number of times about how we don't like things we suck at. So the solution to enjoying them is getting better at them. Mm. I think about that all the time is like, that's why I'm so particular about the things that I choose to say yes to. Like, again, not to bring up that girl I was just talking about a moment ago, but like she was, she's trying to get me to play pickleball. Pickleball is a fun game. I, not that I wouldn't never play the game, but at the same time, if I'm going to play pickleball, I'm going to play pickleball. Yeah. Like I want to own. Yeah. I want to get good at it. It's kind of my personality type, right? Yeah. Right now for me, it's sand volleyball. So I'm like, nah, I'm good at the pickleball thing. But yeah, so I think there's a lot to be said about the climbing thing, right? Is that because once you get into something, this is what I think is just fascinating about the world in general, is that any topic across the board from chairs to tables to sports to name anything, once you get into it, you realize how deep the rabbit hole goes. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yes, you're like, whoa, totally. And that's what I love about it. Right. And that's why yes. I'm always so particular now. about what I say yes to, because I know once I get into it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. Yeah. There's so, and it's everything. Even the most like mundane things you could ever think about. It's like, no, there's way more to that than you have any idea. Big time. Yeah. You're learning that on your running journey right now. Right. With the specific like how specific it is to train for running. Right. Um, yeah. Mount like climbing is a whole, the rabbit hole is so steep. There are so many terms and so many jargon, like there's so much jargon to climbing. I'm like, what language are you guys speaking? (laughs) What the hell just came out of your mouth? Is that even a word? Who made that up? Like there's so much to learn and it's been so super, super fun. And the way that it ties into anatomy is just fascinating. I just love it. What do you mean by that? So if you grip onto a specific hold, the way, like the degrees of ulnar deviation, the degrees mm. of pronation, like how, how much goes into each little movement and being able to really analyze that and explain that to people and explain why does their shoulder ne- blade need to rotate upward? Like, why does all this need to happen? Why are you getting injured? Mm. It's 
such a nice platform to explain the anatomy and physiology like that go into injuries. The cool thing about that too is that the people that you work with have a general goal of wanting to get back to climbing, so they're yes. probably pretty motivated. A hundred percent. Yeah. You're how long have you been practicing out of there now? Out of Crux? Eight months. Okay. In that eight months, and this might be a challenging question, but what do you feel like is the skill that differentiates a good climber? Like if they were to get good at something specifically, what is it mm. that separates like the people that are like, damn, you're really good at this versus people that are like, Meh. So number one is you have to put in the time and the mileage and, and running is pretty similar too. Um, because like being on the wall, being on the wall, yeah, just get on the wall. So if you're a beginner climber and you're like, I'm really frustrated, I can't advance. I'm not the same grade. Stay consistent keep getting on the grade try a little bit harder so that's number one um because of the amount of requirement from smaller muscle groups that if their capacity isn't there you can't muster up from all the other muscle groups that you might be well developed and if these guys aren't developed yet so keep developing that and then after that it comes it comes with having the strength through mobility so you have to have the mobility but then if you don't have the strength through those in ranges then you're also not going to accelerate or excel in climbing so if you can do um let's say a step up on an eight inch step really strong good for you you're probably not going to excel in climbing you have to be able to do a high step from a very high position and then be able to press at least your body weight up from that high step, if that makes sense. It does. I'm trying to remember the exact terminology behind it. Gunther actually explained that to me at one point. Is the difference between like, what do you say? Flexibility, mm -hmm. mobility, and I think there was a third one. Range of motion? No, that doesn't sound right. I don't know. But basically like the difference between just being able to stretch a joint to a certain position mm -hmm. versus actually having control with the joint mm -hmm. at that full end range. Yes. Which are and very I learned different. a lot from... Um, from Matt Barr, who actually helped me get into crux about mobility and about the importance of how to train climbers from like a mobility standpoint. Mobility is huge in climbing. Yeah. So what would maybe be the biggest mistake you've made since starting your practice at crux and what was the lesson learned behind it? Or it could be even, you could yeah. take the other angle of it too, of like what's maybe the biggest challenge you've had to overcome since starting your practice. You can take either or. Yeah, I think I'll take the latter of the two. So the biggest challenge for me has been what kind of was so alluring about entrepreneurship to begin with, which is the self-development piece and, and just the whole mind game of being able to know that I'm capable and I'm worthy. Hmm. So... I actually went through a process of trying to find a coach, you know, to help me along this path. And there are a lot of coaches out there for physical therapy practices. They're really famous and almost none of them were my vibe. Like I did not jive with hardly any of any of them and to each their own, right? Everybody's going to jive and get along with somebody really well. But I took a different path. I, I found my coach, Allison McManus. She's 
insanely incredible. And she's helped me through that whole process and that whole challenge of being able to show up as myself, being able to know who I am at my core, being able to keep that authentically every single day and sustainably. So yeah, that's been the biggest challenge and one that I feel like I'm now, you know, I now have some traction with, like, it's not so foreign of a, it's not so hard anymore. Mm. The word that comes to mind for me is belief. Belief. Yes. Belief. Yes. Because I was actually just watching, you know, Alex Hermosi, right? I don't. You don't know the name? Anyways, he, for for anybody that doesn't know him, he's basically just a very well-known business owner, entrepreneur. He got his start in like the gym business and now he's like a bajillionaire and on every platform and just talking business and sales and marketing. And, but I was watching a video with him. Was it today or yesterday? It doesn't matter. But he was basically talking about the two things that are so important for anybody in terms of just like sales or marketing or talking to clients is belief and trust. Mm. And he says that at the core of everything is like, if you don't fully believe that you are capable of helping this person in front of you, why would they buy from you? If you don't believe totally. that at the very, very, totally. at the very, very core of it, yes. right? And then piled on top of that is like, how much do they trust you? And the interesting thing about both of these is that they're on a continuum. It's not like you have the belief and they have the trust. It's like, how much do you believe and how much do they trust you? Hmm. Right. And so it's a constant game of playing of like, how can you instill more belief in that what you have to offer is valuable to others? Hmm. And you do that through helping a lot of people from learning a lot of skills from having coaches that distill belief in you right and then the other end of that side of that is like the trust factor of like is this the first time they've ever met you do they follow your content have they Mm. been on your newsletter do you have a relationship with them did they get a referral Mm. right those are all trust builders totally but like those are i feel like that's a lot of what you're talking about right time is like having a coach that can instill the belief so that you can now talk with the authority of like no i can help this person in front of me or i can do this or i can support you or whatever it is yeah definitely and you know with a trust piece it's like that's why word of mouth might work so well right? If, if somebody says, oh my God, Alyssa was super helpful with this. Well, they're going to trust that person more than they will trust, you know, something on Google. Well, Google reviews also another example of that, right? Like that's a way to build trust. That's so interesting. I love that. Yeah. And just to ping off that as well too, is like, I would agree. I think that is because like when somebody refers somebody to you they're essentially tapping into all the trust that they have with that person and automatically assuming it with you as well because if they're going to tell you about somebody that same degree of trust that they have with that person is automatically distilled into this new person that's been introduced into their life big time i love that you study this stuff (laughs) i love that you i know i love that you know so much about it uh well i also get to have interesting conversations like this all the freaking time so that also helps as well um okay so then tell me more about the practice so where do you see things going moving forward then is this something that you just are expanding out clientele are you wanting to have multiple locations like where do you see things going with aok yeah so i i i reached the point where i was i was starting to feel overwhelmed by my caseload And I reached out to some friends I have who are also outstanding climbing physical therapists. There aren't 
very few of us in the nation. <laughs> um, so I'm lucky that I've reached out to one who is pretty much famous in the community. Um, and she's been really amazing and super helpful. And then I have two that are famous physical therapist. Yeah. She's so her name is Carrie Cooper and she's super amazing. So she's, <laughs> she's done research and has some publications. Um, another one is Dr. Jared Vagy. He's another climbing, climbing physis, physical therapist, but, um, there are also two physical therapists, a friend of mine who's also in Salt Lake city with Endeavor physical therapy. And, you know, I got their take on what, what would it take for me to hire? They started explaining or not Carrie, but, um, my other friend, Amy started explaining the whole process. And I mean, my head was spinning, just listening to her and my head's already spinning as a person starting my practice to begin with. Right. So, um, so it quickly became like, I don't know if I really want to do this. I talked to another friend of mine in town, Rebecca, who owns Ladybird physical therapy. It's a public floor physical therapy practice. And she was like, you know, I was honestly, can I tell you the truth, Alyssa? I was never happier and making more than when I was working for myself. And I, a huge wave of relief came through. And like we were talking about with the sandbox, like, you know, I kind of love doing this right now and I want to see it through. I want to see how many people can I help and build the practice in such a way where I'm able to do that sustainably I don't know what that looks like if it means bringing on one other clinician that I really trust, um, that I know would do just as good with climbers specifically. Um, but I'm in no rush to do that. For now, what I'm really enjoying is the fact that I have now a lifestyle job. So I'm like pinching myself in the middle of the day when I'm walking my dog. Or when I'm taking a shower, I'm like, it's 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the shower. This is crazy. Yeah. I would never imagine or blocking my calendar and being like, hey, I'm, I'm out of town. I'm just, I'm out of town. I didn't have to get approval. So I, you know, everybody has maybe, not everybody, but a lot of people have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I mean, right now it's, let's gain, let's gain more traction. So it feels like I'm spinning my wheels a little bit less with, with like marketing and outreach, finding the ways that I feel like I can cons consistently just, um, let people know that I'm here. And then that word trust, that word trust, right? Trusting that everything's going to provide as it will and as it should. Yeah. I respect your ability to enjoy the ride of the roller coaster. Mm, so much. Yeah. 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 I am a little older now. And now when I go on roller coasters, they're not as enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> this one's pretty fun though. This, this one's very fun. <laughs> uh, something I wanted to tap into with you because I can relate to it a lot is that I know you've done some, some alone time traveling, camping excursions mm -hmm. and how that's obviously had an impact on your life. I can relate to that a lot of even like I took a trip, a solo camping trip for five days in the woods and I can say it was one of the best trips I've ever done in my entire life. But for you, yes. um, how has that showed up in your life and what has that taught you? Yeah. Um, 
I got to travel alone, I guess at a relatively youngish age. So as a sophomore in college, I, I was studying psychology and Spanish in college. And I wanted to just rip the bandaid off. I wanted to learn Spanish. I went to the study abroad office and I was like, what's the cheapest way for me to go study abroad? And they're like, you should go to Argentina. So I went to Buenos Aires and I actually learned that I have family there. <laughs> like literally like the week before going, my grandma, my grandma who's Italian is like, yeah, you need to connect with your family there. I'm like, what? How was this the first time, right? The <laughs> hell. So, um, yeah, I went to Buenos Aires. I lived there for six months. So I remember my, my brother took me took me to lunch and like he got emotional and he was like, oh, I'm very proud of you. And I was like, okay. Like I didn't think anything of it until I like landed there. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't know if I can cuss, but I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Like, oh shit, I'm here for six months. Um, the first two months felt really alienating because I, it was like being mute for the first time, not being able to like fully express myself, which hasn't, as an introvert, I'm not like usually coming, like I'm not talking all the time, but then I made friends. I started to make some friends. I made a really great friend down there who actually we've traveled together since then. And yeah, I learned Spanish. I learned Spanish from going there. But while being alone and while traveling, there's this level of leaning on yourself and this level of taking care of yourself and this level of connecting with yourself that no other platforms really allow you to do. Like if I go to my house with my dog in my environment, I know damn well how to navigate that situation, right? I know where I'm going to go to drive. Mm. I know when I arrive, I'm going to open the garage door. I'm going to go in. My dog's going to greet me. I know how to make myself some food. When you're traveling, like none of that is really that spelled out. And so, yeah, you connect with yourself and camping Oh my God, how magical is like camping with yourself, right? To really like take care of yourself. It's almost like you're your own kid. It's almost like, okay, well, am I hungry? I'm not right now, but will I be in two hours once I've gone hiking? And like, you know, am I going to come back to camp? I don't know. Do I want to go right now or do I want to go later? Like there's so much that goes into that. It's such a beautiful experience. I'm the, so glad you get you love it too. Well, yeah, I think that the parallels with it between just being a entrepreneur are just hilarious to me. Is because I feel like the carryover that I've noticed is that yeah, you're sort of on your own time. You have to be self sufficient. You have to be resourceful. You have to figure stuff out. You have yes. to come over overcome barriers. You have to be a problem solver. Yes, you're always in the moment because it's kind of just like putting out the next fire. Figuratively yeah. speaking. Yeah, shit always hits the fan. Right. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like the parallels to those are like yeah. humorous to me. Yes, big time, big time. And also too, I think it definitely makes you more present, which is why I find it to be so enjoyable. It's because like, yeah, five days out in the woods, because you are in the moment of what you need to do next, mm -hmm. you're, not, mm -hmm. you're not spending a lot of time planning. For sure. 
you couldn't anyways for the most part yeah like what if it rains tomorrow i don't know then i gotta change like yeah totally so yeah that's cool have you done the camping thing alone as well or just the travel thing the camping thing alone too yeah so i spent about a year in northern california um in chico and uh i Isn't lived there a college there there's a college chico state yeah I lived in this really cool community. It was a co-housing community. So this idea, this concept started in Denmark. And there are only a few co-housing communities in the U.S., but there's a shared plot of land. People own their houses on the shared plot of land. And then there's a community house where once a week or whatever cadence, there's a community meal that you rotate making for the community, which is optional if you want to go. And then there's equity. You you do eight hours of equity a month into that goes back into the community. Such a cool place. And Chico has really cool people. Like there's a cool kind of hippie in Chico, California. So not only that, but the weather's incredible. And I earned the earned the name Texas Jew Camper while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, here's because <laughs> <laughs> That is aggressive. It's really aggressive, but really it's not. So uh I my my neighbors were getting a uh like they were just so humored by by me because I loved camping and um I had never done it before. So they were like, What do you mean? Like, oh well I guess it's because she's from Texas, right? These Texans we don't really camp like there's a there are people who camp, but I mean the kids in California they they do everything right. They're like mountaineers by age four. So, but then also I, I let them know like oh this funny joke which is like oh you know Jews they camped like forty days and forty nights we don't like camping. Um, so yeah they they had this like in term of endearment for me I took my rental Prius up to Mount Lashen National Park like a handful of times. I had this sick tent. I was very proud of it. Um, And yeah, I would stop at Trader Joe's, fill up my cooler with a ton of fun things that I was excited about and then just go camping. Yeah. Like drinks or drugs? Oh, at Trader Joe's? Yeah, I don't know what you're buying there. You said fun things. Like what do you buy? snacks okay well you said hippie you said hippie town <laughs> you said fun things yeah so I was like, what are we talking about here i didn't have any connections at trader joe's okay, they I just had good snacks <laughs> <laughs> great granola all right i got super it super good snacks yeah. uh they have like you know ready-ish made meals i mean you know i didn't get that into camping i couldn't like you know i couldn't cook anything elaborate over a fire so mm. trader joe's was where it's at yeah, my solo camping or just camping in general has always been more like a what do they call those a jet 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 boiler. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I totally got a jet boiler. Yeah. Like yeah, heat stuff up. Air dried foods or yeah, yeah, super simple type stuff. Coffee yeah. for sure. Um, what's your relationship with uncertainty? So uncertainty. A friend of mine recently, we had this interesting conversation. I don't know how we we fell on uncertainty. Actually, she was telling me about um, this event that she went to, and she learned this. Oh, I was telling her about how I was really grappling with uncertainty, and she just spit this, like, really insightful thing right back to me that she had learned 
which is that your level of kind of fulfillment in life is directly correlated to the amount of uncertainty that you're able to tolerate. Hmm. So when there's uncertainty, it makes you learn more. It makes you lean in more. It lights a fire under your butt. It makes you move. And it is a necessity. It's something that you need in life in order to grow. And I hate it. <laughs> like, I don't like it. Uh. There are things about uncertainty that I do like, right? Obviously, I wouldn't open up my practice if I really didn't want any uncertainty. I wouldn't go camping if I didn't want uncertainty. I wouldn't travel if I didn't want uncertainty. But there are certain things in life that I wish I had a little bit more certainty around. And now that I have that understanding of it, I respect it so much more and I coexist and I embrace it more. I don't even coexist. I like embrace it. So yeah, like full disclosure, I mean relationships, like romantic relationships. I wish I had a little bit more certainty around what that's going to look like for me, Mm. but it's not for me to know. Mm. And that's kind of, that's kind of special. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very open and honest of you. My just to piggyback off of that, my buddy he always pings me with this. We we're in this like group chat with these three or four other guys that have hosted a lot of these like men's trips and groups with, and they they're very in like the spiritual space and this in the sense of like you ever read the book like the Untethered Soul or the Power of Now or mm-hmm. a lot of those type Eckhart Tolle kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And uh, there's a quote my buddy loves to throw at me. Of like I'm I can be kind of a control freak in a lot of ways. And he always says, set your preferences aside. Mm. Gets me every single time, right? Is like I wanna do this thing or go to this place or do it on this date or rent this vehicle. Wow. And he loves to just throw a like, well, just set your preferences aside. Like why does it have to be that way? Right? Why do you need it to be that way? And so Yeah. Yeah. Those honestly make the best travel buddies, right? Yeah. The ones that do set their preferences aside. Totally. And you're like, oh, I, I want to be more like that. Yeah. Yeah. The word is often said as well as like surrender. Surrender. Yeah. Just surrender. Just let go. Yes. Yeah. So much easier said than done. Such a basic word, but so hard to live in so many <laughs> right? ways. Right? Right? Yeah. As most hard practices are, it's really just so easy. Yes. It's so simple. Simple, so not easy. Simple, yes. simple, not easy. Yes. Yeah. That's another one of those. So yeah, I can feel the uncertainty thing. I've had a lot of conversations about that as well. It's cool that you've had somebody that you can ping on that because mm-hmm. I say all the time is that humans love black and white. Yes. But we don't live in a black and white world. We live in a gray world. Everything is gray. Everything is perception, circumstance, situational. Like nothing is like, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, left, right, doesn't, nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything's gray. Mm-hmm. And humans hate that. Mm-hmm. Hate that. Right? But that's, that's the world we live in. Yeah. It's, that's kind of why we make things like political parties, you know? We try to make things and binary. Religion yes, and, all of it. And even sex, like sexuality. All of it. It's not so binary. We try every, it's so much more comfortable for the human brain back to our original conversation of if I can put you into a box, 
mm-hmm. and call you this thing, mm-hmm. I can now somehow understand you and I can move on with my life. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, nothing's in a box. Yes. Everything's gray. Everything is gray. <laughs> this is like, this is a shower thought I had earlier today during my like pinch myself shower in the middle of the day. Nice. Was that I don't think we're too far from, I don't know if we're going to see it in our lifetime, but until there's no longer identifying as, you know, your sexuality. So um, maybe even your gender, but for sure it's becoming less and less important to identify as gay, straight, bi, whatever. It will be a beautiful thing when the day comes when that no longer is very relevant at all. And you can have that level of just surrender of like we're humans connecting with humans right but for sure there are some people including myself that i know for sure i'm just attracted to mostly attracted to one sex but it just like came into my mind of like these black and white you know we don't have to say we're democrats or liberals maybe maybe we still do democrats or republicans or whatever but yeah, it will be a beautiful day. Yeah, I've had that conversation many times with many of my friends. Is like the exactly to your point, even like from political or sexual or relational or like all those things is there's so much easier to put into a box for the human brain to understand. But like, if only it were that simple. But unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. So, um, I have a round of rapid fire questions for you. You ready? Ready. What's your best business advice? Know where you can show up for from a marketing standpoint. So marketing is very important in my business right now. And right now, the most important way for me to market is to figure out where I can show up sustainably and consistently and then keep doing that. Um, and yeah, I found that very, very helpful. What's your favorite part about entrepreneurship? Um, the ability to make changes on a dime or to be able to shower whenever you want. Yeah. (laughs) When are you the most productive? Um, between the hours of nine and 2 PM, 9 AM and 2 PM. I can relate. Who is like 7 PM? (laughs) Who who is your inspiration? There are a few, a few names coming to mind. I can't pick one, but I, I think that a, a lot of people have inspired me in my life for various reasons. I mean, for sure, my parents, Allison, my my coach, Kwesi, like I told you, Matt Bohr, I'm missing so many right now. Um, <laughs> but I've been loved and and have been like fostered by so many people. My, my climbing partner, David, he's 73. I mean, he's just inspirational. I could go on, but I can't name it. I put that guy that did the Leadville on that list. That's oh, Jeff. That, Jeff. That's yeah. That's freaking nuts to me. Yeah. What's your best marketing advice? Yeah. Just, yeah, keep showing up. Like, pick where you can show up consistently and show face, show yourself, be yourself when you're there. Be authentic. Be authentic. Tell me one secret or something most people don't know about you. That I I suffer, uh, that I'm human. Uh, I have hard days. And 
I suffer from imposter syndrome, just like everyone else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those are good. What's your favorite app or resource right now? Right now, I'm spending quite a bit of time on MedBridge. It's like a continuing education resource. um, And I would for sure shout out Score Mentor for people who are starting their business up. It's um, a really cool resource, S-E-O-R-E. I'm familiar with that. You can get like free mentorships and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And they're like super amazing mentors. What would you change about yourself? I would be less serious for most of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I like being goofy. So, yeah. Uh, What's your favorite part about Austin and you can't say the people? It's the it's the ability to have like community at your fingertips, like the, the running community here. I'm just love the running community and it's super accessible the climbing community here is phenomenal so i'm sure there are other communities but i just i love the communities that exist here in austin and yeah i guess that is kind of the people no matter what you're into there is a group of people for that there's no freaking question yeah um i have one last question before i do i want to acknowledge you for deciding to branch off and do your own business despite all the fears and worries and imposter syndromes and being a thinker over a doer and a planner over a doer (laughs) and still deciding to do it anyways and also for listening to the show and being a lifelong listener to having great community in austin like quasi and the other people that you mentioned and for showing up today to do this interview with me so thank you thank you Corey. yeah thank you for being like the most personable like when we went climbing i was like this guy's so easy to talk to <laughs> i was like no wonder people have such a fun time on his show it's like <laughs> it's a really easy guy to talk to so thank you for figuring out what you're good at and then bringing it into the world Hell yeah. I yeah. love that. That's acknowledged. I appreciate that. So last question. The question is your best piece of advice to the younger you or anybody else in that similar circumstance. So if you were to go back to eight months ago, just starting your practice and you were talking to Alyssa or anybody else in a similar place, what would you tell them? I think that right where you are right now is exactly where you're meant to be. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> uh, if it's a slow week, um, then take it as there's probably something that's making you slow down. There's probably something that you need to tend towards. Um, if, if you're like energized and you're fueled, like keep running with it. Um, yeah, but yeah, right where you're at is right where you need to be at this moment. Mm. And so listen, like try to listen to the message that that's delivering and then, yeah, Give yourself the grace to just be. Yeah. The timing of that's very interesting for me. This is the first time I've ever done four podcasts back to back (laughs) like this. And for reasons that we discussed off show. But uh, I honestly feel very good about it. I don't feel like... You surprised yourself. Yeah. As an introvert, this is actually... I feel very comfortable and very cool. I could do another one. So... Let's go. Maybe that says something. You want to go over to like Lynn Asian and pull the crowd and see... (laughs) (laughs) Who do we got here? We got the studio (laughs) set up. Let's go. Um, Well, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You're super welcome. Thank you. Thanks. It's been fun. 
Hey friend, thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you and that would be to check on my three tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.